Hello and welcome to this special year-ahead edition of On Point, a podcast series on the post-pandemic recovery, where we'll be discussing the top themes and events shaping 2022. My name is Arthur Krebers. I'm joined by Jasprit Singh and by Dean Schaffer, and together we'll be covering the top six themes affecting the corporate sustainability landscape going into next year. Let's get straight into it. ESG data democratization is seen as a crucial first step to supporting greater transparency in sustainable finance. What initiatives can help make ESG data available to the masses? Thanks, Arthur. And certainly having good ESG data is key. And just to set the scene, in our Q4 2021 investor survey, over a third of investors cited that the lack of reliable ESG data remains their greatest barrier in their organization's pursuit of ESG investing. As a result, increasing the availability of comparable and meaningful ESG information, in other words, in, in other words as you put it, Arthur, democratizing ESG data is essential in order to assess whether a company's sustainability strategy is truly working. We're hoping over the course of 2022, we will see an increased availability of freely accessible resources that will help us evaluate companies' sustainability performance. A good example of this is the Transition Pathway Initiative, which provides assessments of how companies are transitioning to net zero. In October, the TPI announced an ambitious plan to establish a global climate transition centre, which is set to open in 2022 and would expand the number of companies assessed from 400 to 10,000, a 25-fold increase. It is also important to note that the regulation has a key role to play in this as well. For example, the EU introduced the Non-Financial Reporting Directive in 2014, requiring around 6,000 large companies to publish standardised reports on their ESG policies. In April 2021, the initiative was expanded to nearly 50,000 companies via the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, with the first set of standards to be adopted in 2022. So as you, as you can see, overall, there's great progress and great momentum. And over the course of the next year, we hope to see greater availability of ESG data. Thank, thank you, Jespreet. And I guess besides concerns about data, I think there's also been uh, you know, growing concerns around the topic of, of greenwashing, you know, particularly in light of what are sometimes considered quite opaque um, ESG data and processes. And I guess, Dean, look, looking ahead for towards next year, how do we think that will be playing out? Absolutely, thanks. Uh, so, so we think that greenwashing uh, concerns will certainly intensify over the course of, of the years ahead. And these follow a series of, of somewhat high-profile uh, whistleblowing stories uh, from organisations that have uh, supposedly been uh, uh, making making some questionable claims around their ESG practices. So, so with the concerns around greenwashing on the rise, uh, we'd anticipate that, that investors and issuers will, will pay much closer attention to sustainability disclosure to make sure that the claims they are making stand up to uh, the test of scrutiny. We think that ESG ratings will continue to, to play a key part in, in investor analysis, uh, but perhaps some additional transparency will come to this market where it's typically been uh, some, something of a black box. And, and we may see some consolidation in that market that's uh, currently somewhat fragmented. Um, so this isn't just about, you know, uh, scepticism from investors. This is from, from all stakeholders and the companies themselves. 
slightly to sharpen uh, focus on companies that are truly ad- additive to to the uh, outcomes they're trying to achieve. Another theme that we cover in our year ahead piece is around this concept of a holistic decarbonization plan. Uh, and just briefly, I think we've seen, particularly in the last two or three years, you know, large swathes of companies sign up to net zero goals and, and ambitions and initiatives. Um, why is that not enough in our view? Certainly, we've seen a huge growth, as you say, Arthur, over the last 12 months, where we've seen a number of companies pledge net zero commitments alongside improvements in sustainability governance, transparency and reporting mechanisms. Now, for for the vast majority of companies, their own operations will actually only be a small proportion of their total environmental impact. If you look at the total value chain, scope three is where the biggest percentage is. Climate Action 100 Plus is an investor-led initiative that monitors the ESG performance of the world's largest corporate greenhouse greenhouse gas emitters. At the end of 2020, only 10% of these companies that Climate One Action 100 Plus tracks had net zero targets that included coverage of their most material scope three emissions. So as a result, we're seeing growing scrutiny around net zero targets, and particularly in regards to scope three, because of how material it is. In order to address scope three emissions, companies will need to collaborate with their suppliers and rely on their partnerships across sectors to, to deliver on broader decarbonization targets. As a result, in 2022, we are likely to see supply chains play a more pivotal role within transition strategies in order for companies to achieve net zero. And on the topic of decarbonization, I think a market that has really grown in, in, in focus uh, within sustainable finance is that, of, is that of the carbon market and indeed the role that carbon credits can play within at least the short to medium term decarbonization pathway for, for many companies. Um, do, do, how do we expect the carbon market to evolve next year? We, we would expect the carbon market to, to continue to develop through 2021. It's, it's gone off to something of a slow start without any uh, clear regulatory framework in the voluntary market. Um, but as more companies look to set net zero targets for the year ahead, we would anticipate more companies using carbon offsets and carbon credits to achieve their uh, reductions in the, the hardest to abate uh, emissions. As more companies look to use carbon credits, we'd anticipate the cost of these to continue to rise. And that's particularly reflective of the, the, the point in time of, of the development of these of the technologies. So nature-based technologies take a long time to develop and, and, and scientific technologies are, are still in their infancy. We would also anticipate the transparency within the carbon markets to develop through 2022. So more companies can understand exactly what the return on each credit looks like and what activity they, they have uh, they've chosen to, to, to work with. And when it comes to the carbon market scheme, have there been any critical developments coming out of the COP26 conference? Yeah, the, uh, at the COP26, uh, agreement has finally been made on Article 6, um, which, while not perfect necessarily, will, will give countries... Uh, the tools they need for uh, the environmental integrity of the carbon market. So this should involve, involve uh, you know, agreement around double counting and the, the trail of ownership of these carbon credits. So it's a great development uh, and represents a, a, a big step for how countries can start to think about how they're offsetting their emissions. 
And, and, and building on, on this theme of decarbonization and, and, and the tools available for communicating one's decarbonization strategy and, and targets, I, I guess quite critical as well is that we have a common understanding um, you know, of, of what are green and, and carbon neutral technologies and, and projects. And I think that that's where this, this concept of having a, you know, a green taxonomy as the EU and the UK are introducing becomes quite critical. Um, just how do we think that that will further evolve next year, these taxonomies? Yeah, I, I think we're expecting to see great progress and great momentum heading into 2022. So next year, the EU taxonomy regulation will come into effect. Now, the EU taxonomy is a classification system that provides companies, investors and policymakers with appropriate definitions for which economic activities can be considered environmentally sustainable. The regulation will require companies to report on their alignment with two of the six environmental objectives. These are climate change mitigation and climate change adaptation. Alignment criteria for the remaining four categories will be outlined in 2022 and enforced from 2023. In addition to the green taxonomy, the EU has signalled its potential expansion to include social factors. We anticipate to hear more details about the development of a social taxonomy over the course of 2022. Taxonomies of sustainable activities aren't exclusive just to the EU. As part of its Build Back Better report in the summer, the UK government announced the formation of a green technical advisory group that would oversee the UK's delivery of a green taxonomy. Development and application of sustainable taxonomies is very much seen as a positive and will increase firms' reporting obligations and result in sustainability criteria being better embedded within their financing instruments and also give greater information to the market as a whole to be able to assess a corporate's ESG performance. Thank you, Jespreet. You touched on indeed there that this piece of you know, green financing instruments as well. And I think if, if we look at you know the expectations that we now have of companies in terms of their decarbonization goals and investments, I think it's clear there is a, a major role here for, for green finance. And that, that of course emerged in the public markets, right? With the, public bond uh, issuance, um, but we are starting to see momentum also in, in the private market. And, and you know, on that point, how, how do we expect the private ESG market to, to evolve? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, actually, if we cast our mind back a few years, uh, sustainable financing meant bond issuance. And, and since then, we've seen sustainability spread across the treasury function. So we see it in uh, public issuance, but also in uh, loans and hedging products as well. And private fi financing is no different in that sense. So uh, while it was the reserve of public financing, uh, you know, in 2021, we saw around 2 billion euros of ESG labelled private financing. Um, and and th this has been a function of improved disclosure and, and uh, transparency so that investors can, can make very accurate decisions on uh, the sustainability characteristics of private financing opportunities. So companies that are looking to raise financing in the private markets can now use a sustainability-linked structure. Um, and uh, you know, uh, US domiciled investors uh, can, can, in can include sustainability into their mandates and are, and are coming under increasing pressure to do so. So sustainability looks like it will continue to be a core driver in the private markets through 2022. And those issuers with strong ESG narratives that are well recognized with private placement investors 
will, will benefit from potentially a larger investor base and some improved in execution dynamics, potentially uh, reducing their cost of debt. Perfect. Thank you very much, uh, Dean. Now, the, the past minutes, I think we've, we've scratched the surface of the of these six core themes that, that we've laid out for, for corporates within the ESG universe for 2022. Um, but do read our article and we'd love your, your feedback and comments uh, on the themes that we've outlined. Um, and if you'd like to have more information around our insights for the year ahead, please go to the website, uh, ci.natwest.com forward slash year ahead, uh, and indeed follow us on social media. Uh, thank you very much to Jess Preet and to Dean. <laughs>